Hi, my name is Moshe Kindler, and I'm the publisher of The Jewish Link. Hi, this is Elizabeth Kratz. I'm editor of The Jewish Link. And you're on The Jewish Link Pitch Meeting Podcast. I'm very happy to uh, welcome everyone to welcome uh, a very special guest to The Jewish Link Pitch Meeting Podcast. Uh, Elizabeth couldn't be here. Uh, I'm here with Michael Feldstein. Okay, Michael Feldstein is a Jewish Link columnist, and he just came out with a book called Meet Me in the Middle. Um, and uh, which is collected essays on contemporary Jewish life. Michael, welcome to the Jewish Link Pitch Meeting Podcast. It's great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Okay, we're really happy to have you. Uh, for those who don't know, Michael is from Stanford, and uh, as we were talking, we remembered, uh, I remembered, he remembers when we first met, okay? Uh, Stanford actually represents the time, the last time I actually thought about being a full-time community rabbi, where I was the runner-up in a... A prabra and a, and a te is for the for the position of young Israel of Great Neck and Michael. I think you were on the uh, search committee. I was then. on the search committee, and you almost made it. And who knows what could have happened if um, if we would have had the job? I mean, you might not be the Jewish uh, Link publisher right now. It's true. One of my jokes actually is that I'm a retired rabbi, uh, a little bit young to be retired, but I definitely am no longer in the rabbinic world. And uh, I, have, I will say the following. I had a wonderful Shabbos in Stanford. I really like the community. It's a lovely community. We've been there 41 years and um, a lot of special things. And one of the things that I really have enjoyed is being able to uh, tell people in my columns about Stanford, some of the things that are going on. And, um, you know, I've gotten a lot of positive feedback about that. Um, Michael, you also are, you are someone who loves telling me. I think once every year or so, tell me how much Stanford is growing and growing. I think uh, is which I know I hope that's continue. We haven't had that conversation, and you've been a salesman for Stanford, both for Stanford the community, also for the Jewish Link in Stanford as well. Yes, absolutely, it is growing. Um, I mean, about thirteen, fourteen years ago, I headed a committee called the Committee to Advance Modern Orthodoxy in Stanford. We felt we had all of the. Uh, bells and whistles that uh, would attract uh, modern Orthodox families, but we just weren't, didn't have good PR. So, uh, you know, we made a, a, an effort to try to attract more people. Uh, it took a while, but uh, it was very successful. And right now, you know, it's really word of mouth. I mean, people are moving in right and left, and um, the young families are, um, are, are really, are, are really wonderful. It's, it's really year which it should only continue um, actually I've also you know we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the book in a second but um, you're someone who's been long been involved in, in the, the broader community I've always been impressed I don't think I've ever told you about how the fact that you're able to maintain such close relationships and be, really be part of two shuls uh, yeah. I, I, no one I don't think anyone's like I mean there are people who have memberships in other shuls but you are a committed member of Two shuls. How does that work? It's it's not easy, uh, but uh, I'll tell you how it all happened. Uh, when we moved to Stanford, and it's been 41 years ago, um, I lived closer to a good at Shalom, and I also kind of was used to more of a, a young Israel-type minion. So we used to go to the young Israel uh, for Shabbos uh, morning, and for Minchan Marv and Friday night, I'd go to a good at Shalom. And once I went to both shuls, I be began, you know, getting friendly with people and developed relationships and felt both shuls really deserved our support. And, um, you know, we became members of both. We um, felt we didn't have to choose and make a decision for, you know, one shul. And, 
you know, thank God we were accepted by the majority of people. Uh, and, um, and I think both shuls uh, have, have something to offer. And I think that uh, it's important that uh, people don't, you know, rule out a shul just because, you know, of, of, of certain things that, that you, can, you can join two shuls and, and, and actually support them both and be happy at both. The amazing thing is, and many people go from shul to shul. What I'm, what I'm amazed that you've actually, you, you still are committed to both. Yes, shuls. I'm, I mean, actively involved in both. You know, adult education, other things. I served as a uh, rabbinic search uh, uh, three or four times uh, for, uh, for both shuls. I, yeah, I, I look. I mean, if if you believe in something. And I believe in both shuls. Uh, there's no reason why I can't work for both shuls. So uh, Keep it thank, up. thank you uh, for for that compliment. So we're talking about. So we're talking to Mr. Stanford. Um, and uh, but but we're not here to talk about Stanford. We're here to talk about something a little bit different. Uh, we're talking here to talk about uh, uh, Michael's book, which has really come out of. The, you said essays, but the truth is, we look at them as columns. Yes, uh, they're columns, and uh, I would say there are ninety-five columns in the book, and I'd say probably ninety of them appeared in the Jewish Link uh, at one point in time. There are a few of, of the early ones that uh, appeared in some other other publications, but um, it really is a uh, you know a, a Jewish Link book in in many respects. It's the uh, various columns that I've written over the last few years, and um, I've always wanted to write a book. Um, I never felt I had enough time, but then after a couple of years of writing columns, I said, "Hey, I think I have, I think I have enough for a book," and 386 pages, and and here it is. So it's it's uh, meet me in the middle. It's beautiful. I, actually, before we talk about some of the columns and yes. some of the essays, um, most of our writers tell us that when they walk to shul or among their social their social groups that it changes if they're writing about if people are saying it like it changes how they're viewed sometimes within the community any change uh, you are now no longer michael feldstein you know stanford jew you're also michael feldstein jewish link columnist and people have to you know know that oh michael's writing this week and any what's been the what's the take i, on I that? think it's been overall very very positive i think people have felt that i've presented a lot of the things in the stanford community in a positive way. Um, I think I've gotten a lot of emails from people saying, why don't you write about this? Why don't you write about that? And occasionally I'll get a, you know, a good idea or two. But um, yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, you have to keep your distance and, uh, and, and, and make sure that you're independently making decisions about what you should write about. On the other hand, uh, it's a Sometimes it's good to get some input, and B, it's nice to get some compliments from people um, that they've read it and they've liked it. And by the way, besides Stanford, I, I mean, I've, we have a lot of friends in Teaneck, and I'm just amazed at the readership in Teaneck. I mean, I get emails and calls, and when I'm at a wedding from CT, I saw your column, I, I liked that, and thanks, you know, thanks for writing about that. I was feeling the same way. I mean, that's, that's great. I mean, that's the, that's the thing that keeps me going, because, you know, sometimes, as you know, when you're, you know, it's Sunday night or Monday, and you have a deadline, and you don't know what to write about, and you say, you know, is this thing worth it? But then you think about the impact that you've had on people, and the fact that, you know, they really enjoy your column and, you know, it makes you realize, hey, this is important, this is worth my time. And, um, 
yeah, it definitely has happened. That I'm way. glad you said that because a lot of our writers report something similar. You know, they just feel like they they, they feel like they're not writing just for themselves. They really are writing Absolutely. for a, a, you know a, a certain audience, and they owe. They have a certain sense of achrayat to their audience, which is um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I, I didn't need to hear you say it, but I, I'm I'm glad you did say it because we certainly feel it. That's uh, so. If you want to, we can talk about some of the. There's 95 columns in the book, in the, in the essays in the book. <laughs> well, I'm not going to talk about all 95, but we'll pick a no, few. That and that happens. I know that there are subjects that we're not necessarily going to talk about. I know you lost your your, your daughter, which uh, you know it's a year and a half now. So uh, uh, actually, a little less than less a year. Than, less than a year. Yeah, so January twenty twenty three, and um, yeah, you wrote you wrote a number of columns. Actually, I happen to we talked a little bit about I think the personal columns. Sometimes are the most powerful. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, in terms of uh, we lost Hova in, in January. Um, she was uh, thirty five years old, and uh, it was very sudden. And I'd say there were at least three or four columns that I wrote directly about Tova. I reprinted the eulogy I gave. Um, a week later, I did a column on things I learned while sitting Shiva for our daughter, which got a lot of positive response. It was, a, it was again, a very personal column. Uh, in July, when she uh, would have been 36, I wrote a column about, um, um, about Tova and the impact that she had on people. And in general, since then, you know, she's kind of, look, it's, it was a big loss for us and a big part of our lives. And it's hard when you're writing a column and you're feeling the way you are about a certain subject, it kind of infiltrates into everything that you've written. So, you know, she kind of pops in um, here and there. And... Um, um, maybe can we'll continue to pop in and out as well. I guess. I'm sure. I mean, that's that's something I'm not not going to forget very easily. Um, so, but uh, it, it's uh, I see it as a tribute to her. I actually dedicated the book to her. So, um, um, hopefully, somewhere she's appreciating that. I'll never forget that with that week. Um, we you had a column if you remember. We uh, went to, went over passed away, and we and like we're we're at we're at, we're at deadline. And uh, the, your, the existing column was was in the paper. I said, "This is, we ripped that column out." I appreciated it, that. I just, yeah, I, mean, I remember I, that. I just, this was not the right time. Yeah, for and it, that's so. one of the, one of the uh, challenges that journalists have in terms of the timing. And uh, um, a- actually, I should say, truthfully, you guys do an amazing job in terms of a weekly newspaper that's still timely. I mean, I'm amazed that. You know, something that comes out on Thursday, you'll sometimes have stuff that, you know, happened on Tuesday or, or you know, or you'll be able to pull something at the last minute. I mean, that's, that's to me, that's great journalism because in today's world, I mean, look, print journalism is not the most popular journalism right now. Um, everything is immediate. Everything is online. Thank God in the Orthodox community we have... Um, a demand because of Shabbos, really, for 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 print publication, um, and uh, so many people read it on Shabbos. But I think people are still used to the fact that news have, has to be timely because they're used to getting news immediately from online sources. So the fact that you guys um, can can still be timely and still publish on a weekly basis is very impressive. So call a vote on that. Thank you. Uh, thank you. I just I just want to say a quick example of what you're saying is we're speaking now just a day or two after the big DC rally. Yes. Uh, and uh, great fun page, by the way. I saw it. Uh, so very uh, dramatic. 
We tried, uh, but the, the point really since since October seventh, we've really blown up the whole front page look of the paper. We we have a, we added a whole new section which didn't exist anymore. Um, it's actually made production of the paper much more challenging. Uh, you're, you're not you're not wrong. Th- this week, for example, the just to get the rally stuff into the paper yeah. uh, w- meant that we would have a very late night. It was not an it was not an easy we call it like an early close late close. It was not an early close, uh, but we I felt it was really important. Like we had to get the rally into the paper this week. We have eight pages of it in the, in the paper this week. That's fantastic. Um, with two original pieces. But, uh, okay. So, uh, you know, the, it's, it's definitely, it's a, it's a, it's a challenging job. Uh, you know, my, my staff, our staff here um, is, is, is really, it's a, we work pretty hard. And so, you do it well. No, no, thank you. So let's talk a little bit about some of the other the other subject other some of the other essay topics. Um, you've been pretty broad. I mean, you've gone all. There's been many many subjects you've covered. I'd say almost nothing has been out of bounds. Um, I think one one essay one column. I think that uh, you know definitely came. You know, was, was something I remember was. Art Scroll. I know you have a lo- you have a love affair with Art Scroll, a right. qualified love affair. My so let's love hear. affair with Art Scroll. So again, the two shuls that I attend. You mentioned the two shuls. Um, you know, have the Art Scroll and the Koran sitters now, as most modern Orthodox shuls do. And um, uh, but invariably, I will always choose the Art Scroll sitter. And um, you know, it's not that there's anything I dislike about the Koran sitter. It's it's very nice. I love Rabbi Sachs's commentary. Um, the the um, you know, the uh, typography is nice. Why do I always gravitate to art school? So there are basically three reasons. The first reason is that I'm used to it. Uh, I've been using it for 30 years, 30-plus uh, years, since it was introduced in the, uh, the mid-1980s. Uh, it's familiar to me. Opening the sitter is like, it's like meeting uh, an old friend. I know where the pages are. I can navigate through the um, prayers easily. Uh, and, um, you know, I'm not... Um, why should I look for something else if I'm comfortable with it? If you remember when Art Scroll, so you're old enough to remember, like it, it, Art Scroll's a sea change from what came before. Like the Burma, absolutely, they, they were not easy to read. They were, they were. Well, that's the second thing I wanted to mention. The typography is phenomenal. I mean, everything flows beautifully. The instructions to various sections of the prayers can be focused on, you know, or easily skipped without feeling like they're an intrusion. Um, I mean, if you want a lesson on how to effectively use type, just Go to go to the go to an art school sitter, or, or uh, and, and and you'll see it. It's beautiful. And then the third and 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 the final and probably most important reading, reason is that it's user friendly. Um, you know, I grew up with the blue Burnbaum sitter, as 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 some many of you know the people my age um, did. And you know, it was an adequate sitter, but there were a few things that always bugged me. You know, the first thing that bugged me was that Barchi Nafshi which is said 12 times a year, every, you know, uh, every Rosh Chodesh, was never after the Shir Shalyom. It was always, right. you'd always have to go to the Midrashal Shabbos, you know? I mean, why couldn't they, you know, spare a page and <laughs> and, and put Barclay Nafshi where it belonged, you it's know? It's pretty long. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it, it, was, it was crazy. So Art School was the first to do that. And then the other thing I loved that they did is they added the short Torah portions um, and the Haftorah readings on for Rosh Chodesh and the holidays in the back of the sitter. So that way, you didn't even need a Chumash on um, on um, on the Chagim and, and, and Rosh Chodesh because uh, it was all, all self-contained. Um, and while I'm complimenting the sitter, I, I want to say some nice things about the Chumash also because um, 
I grew up with the Hertz swimmers. Keep in mind that art school's an advertiser, so we're loving this. Keep oh, going. you're loving it. All right. Well, these are honest feelings. I mean, uh, and, and again, I, I get a little flack from my modern Orthodox friends, but the Hermish, uh, the Hertz Hermish was, you know, it was adequate. It was fine. But, you know, looking at it now, the translation, it's so old-fashioned and it's so archaic. Uh, and the commentary was kind of... Very academic and wordy. I mean, the, the, the beauty of the art school Chumash is that it's short to the point. The, the translations are, are simple in terms of the text, and, and it's great. And the other thing about the Chumash, which I loved, remember before art school, if it was a, a holiday where you read the Megillah? Yeah, sure. It wasn't in the Hertz Chumash. You'd have to... I don't like, remember that. Yeah, you'd have yeah. to find, find it somewhere else. You'd either bring your own, you know... Book of Megillahs that sometimes they'd have it, you know. It was a pain. It was a really pain in the neck. So what did art school do? Well, smart. They what did they do? They put it in the back of the chumash. And so now for all the Megillahs, it's 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 there. Um, and the other thing that I love about the chumash, um, the haftaras. Now s- sometimes, especially around uh, the three weeks and after Tisha B'Av, before Rosh Hashanah, mm-hmm. the haftaras can be really confusing. Yep. Art Scroll is amazing. They basically outline every possible configuration of which Haftarah you might say. Yes, they do. And it, it, I remember before Art Scroll, literally fistfights breaking out in shul as to which Haftarah you should say and people arguing. But Art Scroll lays it out perfectly and it's um, um, no questions asked. You know, you'll have the answer very easily. Right. Now, in terms of the, uh, the Gemaras, um, again, what can you say? It was a monumental accomplishment. And for someone like me, who's Hebrew and Aramaic is kind of, you know, not great, let's say mediocre at best, it was really a lifesaver to be able to study Gemara using art school. And I know the purists feel that, you know, you should struggle when you learn Gemara and uh, it makes learning too easy. I think it's great. I mean, they, what, they, what they've done is made it accessible to the, ma- to the masses. I can tell you, without a doubt, without art school, the Dafyomi movement would never have taken off. I mean, the, you would never have had 90,000 people um, at MetLife Stadium for the last two cycles for the Dafyomi um, program. It just wouldn't have happened. I, I agree. And, no uh, way. you know, God bless them. There is a but. I don't share Art Scroll's Haredi philosophy. I particularly find fault with their biographies of our uh, sages and our gedolim uh, and its insistence to kind of whitewash um, any negative traits that, you know, that they might have had. But in terms of the Siddur, Chumash, and Gemara, top-notch. So Art Scroll, A-plus in my book. Okay, great. That's good. No, I, I remember that column, um, and I certainly remember uh, discussing We discussed that at the time, and... No, there's no, there's no, no question. Um, and I, by the way, they're sensitive to to, the, to some of those criticisms. I don't know if they're necessarily able to answer, but they are I'd, sensitive. I'd love to speak to, uh, you know, to some of the people there. Um, uh, and and and. I actually uh, thought you did. You never spoke to anyone. I, I I sent them an email after the article, and I got a very nice email back. But um, we didn't discuss the the this the short paragraph where I said I. Took, took exception to that. But, uh, you know, look, they're very proud of the fact that, I mean, they, they see that as a, a positive. I, I don't. Uh, we'll agree to disagree. 
I like that. No, for sure. I like that attitude. <laughs> sticking to uh, sticking to, I guess, uh, shul life. And, uh, uh, I, I, and there was another column about the off-maligned <laughs> rabbi's sermon. Yes, so, yes. So, so this, you, you are a fan of the, of the drusha, the sermon as we call uh, it. I, I, am I, a, I am a big fan of the, of the drusha. So as a retired rabbi, so am I. Okay, so I believe in the, in the drusha uh, as well. And... But it's not always so popular today. So No, and I'm in the minority. I mean, this may sound strange, but I really actually enjoy listening to the rabbi's sermon. And it goes back to even when I was younger. I mean, my friends used to go out for the sermon. I would listen. I mean, I was very um, uh, fortunate that uh, I've been exposed to several great um, rabbis who gave great sermons. Uh, when I was growing up in West Hempstead, Rabbi Harold Kanatopsky uh, unfortunately, sure. died very young at uh, the age of 50. He was a master uh, at the sermon. He uh, gave unbelievable, real Talmud Chacham, and he, you know, he'd always start his sermons by saying, uh, no Hidushim today, and then he'd proceed to come up with this brand new twist or angle on the text that, 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 that was just, you know, amazing. Uh, I lived in Teaneck for many years. Uh, Rabbi Macy Gordon was a, a top-notch darshan. Um, and um, the, you know, there. Are, I, I think the best was Rabbi Dr. Norman Lamb. Uh, he's the who's the best at delivering a yep. sermon. Um, I've only been president at his sermons a few times, but they were amazing. Uh, but through the magic of the internet, and you may know this, sure. there's a website that has archived all of his sermons going back to the 1950s, in their original typewritten form. And the amazing thing about it is that. Um, you could see his handwritten notes on the typewriter. You know, this yep. was before the days of word processing. You know, with word processing now, you don't often see the changes that people make. With this, you were able to see what changes he made and, and appreciate his, you know, the art that he had of, of delivering a sermon, and, and they're just magnificent. Um, and then, you know, there's several other masters, that, you know, that I've heard. Um, obviously, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs of Blessed Memory, uh, Rabbi J.J. Schachter is amazing, Shlomo Riskin, Rabbi Saul Berman. I mean, these are the people who could really give great uh, sermons. And it's interesting with rabbis, there, there are a lot of rabbis who can give great sermons, but they're not great teachers. And, and then there's a lot of people who can be uh, give great shiurim, but are terrible at um, giving their sermon. It's a, it's a different art. It's a different... Um, uh, you know, it's a different skill. Uh, but, you know, for me, look, I'm not learning in a yeshiva, you know, eight hours a day. Uh, I don't, you know, thank God I, I, I go to a few classes. I, I, I do some online stuff. Shabbos is a time where I can really hear something, you know, from the rabbi, which I think is meaningful. And then the last thing I just wanted to mention about the sermons is, you know, there's this, there's this argument about um, whether rabbis should bring in current events or not. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, some people feel they should, some people they shouldn't. Personally, I'd rather that they don't. Um, uh, you know, for a rabbi to tell me who to vote for, I don't need that. I, I, I you know, tell me if something's kosher or, mm -hmm. or give me a good Devar Torah. I do appreciate someone who's able to take um, uh, something that happened recently in current events and bring a Torah perspective to it. And there are certain rabbis who do that really well. But, you know, for someone, to, uh, for a rabbi to speak on Shabbos about um, 
you know, their opinion about abortion or, or, or gun control or, or some of the other things that are in the news, uh, you know, I don't, I don't need that and I don't appreciate that either. Interesting. Um, have you, do you remember, have you had any situations in, like, your current rabbis, I feel like they're not, you you, you, you love your current rabbis. Yeah, they're great. And uh, look, the, um, well, I'm not going to say anything bad about my current rabbis. I, love, <laughs> them, I they, love them both. Have they, ever, mean, have they ever had rush out sermons that you just felt were like, you know, missed the mark for you? Or? Sure, sure. There's, I mean, and, and I'll tell them. I mean, I usually tell the rabbis if I really liked their sermon or they didn't. Um, uh, you know they're 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 wonderful rabbis. I don't have a bad word to say about either of the rabbis at our shul. Um, you know uh, there there are probably you know better uh, darshans uh, that I've heard, but uh, everybody has their skills, and uh, I particularly appreciate a good sermon. And uh, you know I just find that I'm in the minority now among some of my friends and contemporaries who. Um, you know, actually, they gravitate to the early minyanim Short, to shortest. avoid a sermon. Correct. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of ironic, but I, I thought would, you, to, you told me you don't you dive in early sometimes also. Well, I do. I dive. I, I I actually frequent. You know, all all the different minyanim at different times. I like to. But you need you need a, that drush. You need that. But sermon. I but I need a drush, or I, or if I'm not if I'm not getting a drush, I need at least a class or something. I mean, you have to <laughs> you have to have some Torah on Shabbos. I agree. No, for sure. Uh, I never asked you this, but do you, do you, have, do you learn one on one with anyone? With anyone? <laughs> I mean, I, 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 right now I don't. I, I, I do a lot of online learning. I love. I mean, it's it's so accessible. You know, the Yu Torah and and Torah anytime. And there's so many great great um, programs out there. I have my favorites that I like. You know, one of the things that happened during COVID is that uh, uh, I was able to. Um, take classes from people who generally weren't giving Zoom classes who right. were, you know, away. Mm-hmm. I mean, my, my wife and I, um, we're big fans of Erica Brown. And, um, you know, Erica's very busy, but she was giving, during COVID, she was bring, giving a, a, a class on uh, Kohelet from Silver Spring, which was Zoomed in. And, you know, for, you know, six months or a year, I forget exactly how long, we were able to, you know, hear Erica Brown give a sheer, you know, once a week. Um, and then there's some others that I that I like also, but uh, um, and, and then there's some you know there's there are one or two classes that um, that I've uh, gone to in, in um, live in Stanford. Do you ever think about like uh, studying for like doing anything a little more like with, you have, if you have a little more time like studying for some or doing... Listen, I would love once I'm retired, I'd love to take a year off and just you know learn an yeshiva for for a year. I mean, I I, I love learning. I I I. I don't think I've really engaged in it as much as I should have. Uh, I just unfortunately don't have the time right now. But someday, God willing, I'll I'll be able to do that. Maybe take a year off and and uh, and study it. I'm going to hold you to that. God willing, let's let's make that happen. All right. So that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we're still in shul though, and I there was another column. I think uh, right. talked about shavuos all all night learning. Yeah, all night long. I called it. Um, yeah. So I have a confession to make. I don't like Tikkun Leil Shavuot. Um, and not, you're not never, alone, by the way. Not alone. Oh, really? Well, I never have. I, I think I, I think I'm in the minority, though. And I know it sounds a little bit heretical, but I really see nothing positive about trying to keep my eyes open at 3 a.m. while listening to a shear and then dozing off, you know, at 5 a.m. during davening. You never heard the line that uh, there's nothing as geschmack as good as the sleep of Torah, <laughs> sleeping while learning. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Yeah. yeah. I think the first time I stayed up all night was was in college. You know, it was kind of 
cool to do it, you know, and uh, uh, but I remember at some point in the middle of the night, I fell asleep in the corner of the room and I missed most of the learning and, and, and all of the davening. I just, you know, I just fell asleep. I, I guess I need my sleep. Um, but what I do instead, which I think is valuable, is I always attend the first session of the Tikkun, which is about 11 p.m. to be Yotze. And then what I do is I go back home and go to sleep. Shavuos also always comes out at a time when the days are very long. So I have plenty of time during the day after lunch and before Mincha to, you know, take a class, do some Torah learning on my own. Um, so there's, you know, there's plenty of time to do Torah learning during Shavuos, during waking hours, so um, without falling asleep. So that's what, you know, that's kind of my... Um, my take on, on, on Shavuot. Uh, I will say from a marketing perspective, and I'm a marketer, as you know, I greatly admire the Tikrin Leil Shavuot program because it has brought an enormous number of people to shul to go learn Torah who otherwise wouldn't be attending uh, shiurim. And I don't know if it's the food in between the shiurim. I mean, good at Shalom now, they have sushi, you know, at, at, at 3 a.m., God, <laughs> God bless. I mean, it's, it's, it's a big attraction. Um, or maybe it's avoiding the long yom of davening the next day that, that brings people. But but clearly, from a marketing standpoint, they, it, they've done a great job. And even, I don't know if you've noticed, even at conservative and reform schools now, um, they've kind of embraced the idea. They have, you know, Tikrin Lail Shavuot programs, which, so it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. Um, you know, I think I just want to interrupt it. That's yeah. that makes sense from a marketing perspective. You know, asking people to do sometimes more than even sometimes extreme. Right. The extreme as sometimes is what is what brings people in. So. Yeah, yeah. I think you, I think you're right. I'm you know I'm not again trying to understand why I don't don't like it again. But besides the sleep issue, you know, there's a lot of mystical uh, qualities behind the old Tikkun Lel Shavuot program, um, and I'm generally a rationalist. You know, according to the Kabbalists. You know, at midnight, the heavens are supposed to open and look favorably upon the, you know, the prayers of those who are remaining awake. Um, you know, I've always thought if you fall asleep in the middle of the night, do you still get judged favorably? In other words, is it is the is the intention there, or do or do you have to actually stay awake? I, I, I don't know. Remember, you're a rationalist. So, yes, I'm so. a, I'm a rationalist, so uh, I'm I'm not sure what the answer is there, but. Yeah, not a fan of Tikkun Leil Shavuot, and uh, I, and you said you weren't either. Yeah, I've, I've been having the last few years. Um, I remember, I, I I was able to do all nighters. I had no problem with. Right. I do plenty. Right, I, do, right, I, actually, right. I actually just did one this week. Uh, we I attended the the Nate's Minyan at the at the White at the White House. So we basically had a barbecue. Um, on at 12 a.m. Right. and then we took the bus down at one to get to D.C. to the White House, where right. we dove with 2,000 plus other people. Wow. So basically, on Monday night, I did an all night. We did not sleep on the bus. It was uh, so. The answer is I'm, I'm not as opposed to it, but I, I also do need my sleep, and I have not been staying up as uh, you know. Uh, yeah. But I, and I get you. I want you to. Know, I think I think any any Orthodox person, any person who's, who's who goes to shul feels the same as you. It's it, it yeah. you, it's very very hard to f- be functioning during that yeah. Shmon Esrei. Um, I think a lot of people will, will will justify it and say, you know, is it really all that much different than my regular Shmon Esrei? Meaning, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm well, for me it is. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know about I, I think else. Qual- qualitatively, the answer is yeah, 100% is. But I, I, I think, um, I, I, I think actually uh, there's the 
the we talk about rational versus non-rational a little bit mystical i think mm-hmm. a lot of people are, will feel like you know yes i don't really understand the power of taking those shoes but um there's something there you know it's it's worth it for me to kill my to be a zombie for the next day you know there's something there's a there's a koacha power to it hard to define hard to really make tangible but i i think that's why that's why the majority that's why you say you're in the minority i think the majority kind of well, by the way don't feel physically any less than you uh you know we'll we'll, we'll say hey you know i'll push i'll i'll make it to six seven a.m and then go to sleep so right. that's 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 what i've concluded i, I don't know if i'm right okay so, okay Whew. okay so we got we we're, we're done with shoes and i you know we just there's uh there's a column that you wrote that we put on the i think it was your first front page piece Okay. Yes, it was. I remember it well. And uh, this is a column that I actually got a little scarred from. So this was about... You and, and me both. So this is about really uh, someone who's, uh, who's trying to make it in the NBA. Okay, about a fellow, a, a Yeshiva University graduate, but then Ryan Terrell. Yep. Okay. And you wrote a column, and I'm trying to remember, by the way, why we put it on the cover. I, just, I felt like it was a good... It was... Uh, you, we wrote it, I think, as he announced... The fact I think it was he was he wanted to go to the NBA. I think that was a, and he was a star Division three ball player, um, and you wrote about his you know Shabbos observance or not, and and you you are basically an unabashed fan of of Ryan Terrell, and I'll I'll, I'll, I'll I want to hear you you talk to him, but we got some some negative feedback. Go 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 for it, Michael. Tell us tell us about that. So the t- the title of the column was Ryan Terrell and the Challenge of Modern Orthodoxy. Um, I do want to say something that I didn't know before I wrote the column. Um, after the article was published, I did find out uh, that Rabbi uh, that Brian Terrell asked a rabbi uh, for psak as to whether he could play uh, basketball on Shabbos, and the rabbi told him that as long as he was walking to the arena and observing all the other elements of Shabbos, he would be uh, allowed to do that. And I think that's important. In in the article, I I said I didn't know whether he asked a a, a post-sec or not, Um, and and I did find out that he did. But But that wasn't the thrust of the article. That wasn't the thrust of the article. Basically, the thrust of the article, uh, the criticisms I got was that I was... um, making Ryan Terrell into a hero, and I was saying how wonderful it is that he, you know, was able to play basketball on Shabbos, and that really wasn't the point. I was trying to make two points um, in the article. One was that um, what Ryan Terrell was doing was trying it, it, trying to navigate the difficult challenges that we all have in terms of uh, our professional lives and being mm-hmm. uh, halakhically observant. And um, a lot of people don't have the challenges that he had in terms of playing basketball. But I gave some examples of some of the things that, you know, we might face professionally in our lives. I, I, for example, I know um, uh, some friends of mine who um, had uh, a late Friday afternoon meeting at 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock during the winter. Um, and it had to run over into Shabbos. And... You know, they had to make a decision as to whether that meeting was important enough to go to or not. And there's the, some people said, okay, you know what, I'm going to go to the meeting. I'm not going to write. I'm not going to do anything. And then I'm just going to walk home. These are people who live in Manhattan. So, again, is, is it ideal? Probably not. But, you know, are they doing the same thing in terms of navigating their professional career with halakha? 
Yes. I know students who are at secular colleges who on Shemini Yatzeris um, decided to attend classes. Again, not writing any notes and not doing any malacha, but attending classes because they felt that they've missed, you know, five days already for Sukkot, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and they just couldn't afford to, to miss any days. Um, is it ideal? No. Is it a, another example of people navigating um, their professional or academic lives with halacha? Yes. So, you know, I, and, and um, you know, I know another person who went to a conference over Shabbos. Um, uh, again, not doing any malacha during Shabbos, keeping kosher, but you know, going to the conference because he felt it was important for his professional career. Um, you know, these are all examples of how we, you know, navigate, you know, as modern Orthodox Jews. And, and, and I think Ryan Terrell was doing the same thing. The other thing that I think that Ryan Terrell uh, did, which I think was important, when I was in grade school, I was a huge baseball fan, like many of us. And, you know, um, I had a dream of becoming a professional baseball player. And unfortunately, those hopes were very quickly dashed by my parents because I was told that there was no way a baseball player could be Shomer Shabbos and compete in the big leagues. And forget the fact that the odds of, you know, that my skills weren't there, but, you know. And, still and, still and, hasn't happened, by but, the way. But, yeah. you know, it wasn't even a remote possibility if I was going to be remaining Shomer Shabbos. I think what Ryan Terrell has done, and it's not only sports, but it's... Um, other professions like the arts and 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 some other uh, professions that were kind of closed out to Orthodox Jews is is made it possible for kids to say you know what um, maybe there's a way for me to realize my dream and become a professional athlete or a musician or uh, another career that you know has kind of been off you know off limits to Shomer Shabbos people. And maybe there's a way for, 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 for me to, to figure it all out. So um, those were the two points that I wanted to make in the article. And I felt I was kind of misunderstood in, in, in that I was kind of advocating, you know, for someone to be Mahal al-Shabbos. And that's not what I was doing. Happens to be so. You know, just <clears throat> reviewing the the, the the piece that you wrote in my head. Yes. You you you, you explained the both sides. Okay. And yes, the, I did. And you came very clearly down in the last paragraph. You're basically yes. saying is that I, you know, recognizing all this, I'm still I'm still a fan of you know meaning I I I you know, basically you said at the end I think what what kind of got you a little the controversy really because you basically said is I'm still I'm pro. Ryan Terrell, meaning I'm pro what he's doing. I think that that's where, and, and I want you to know that we, the Jewish link, I got heat from it. Uh, Rav Shechter actually even spoke specifically about about your yeah. piece. Um, I was comfortable with the piece because I liked the fact you balanced both sides, and I was comfortable, I was okay with, you know, kind of with your second point about, you know, looking up to, to, to you know, proudly Jewish, you know, ball players, professional players. I, you know, there, I, there's a value to that. Uh, By the way, Ryan Terrell has spoken in, at the day schools in Cleveland and in Detroit, and the kids, you know, I mean, he's, you know, he's uh, someone that they can admire and say, you know what, I can, he wears a yarmulke on the court. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, he, there's, there's someone who's kind of made it in the um, sports world who I can root for, and 
he's proud to be Jewish, and there's there's some value to that. Right. That's right. Yeah. By the way, no, I don't think anyone had any issue with that. The question was is whether you were going more than that. Maybe you're saying it's not just about proud that he's Jewish. Whether we're proud that he's Jewish and you know one of us, so to speak. You know mm-hmm. that he that he's keeping. I'm just saying that was a. And by the way, that that issue, um, you know, that that was a, that was a touchy issue. We got a lot. We got a lot of negative feedback. And, uh, some and I got a lot of emails saying uh, they were not happy with it. I got some support also. So um, you know, it's interesting because I didn't think that that column would be as controversial as it was. Sometimes you're <laughs> they never are. <laughs> sometimes you're surprised, as you know. And, um, um, they they never are. And um, and, yeah. so, and but I'm just saying we they never we, we never. That's actually well, the craziest thing is that I publish a paper. We have dozens of articles <laughs> per issue, and I never the ones that sometimes generate the strongest feelings are the ones. Sometimes, I mean, yeah. sometimes you know, are the ones that just come out of nowhere, not really sure, you know, what's yep. going to touch a nerve, what's yep. going to what's going to be so sensitive. Um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a uh, it's it, by the way, this it's just it's just. Just being out there, publishing regularly, like you are, like like I am, like the Jewish Link does. It's it's just going to happen. It's just uh, we do, we try our best. We try, That's we try all you our, can do. No, hundred percent. That's it. But thank you for supporting me on that. I do appreciate yeah, it I, because I, I, I uh, yeah. and I, just just as an aside, I mean, I've written you know close to a hundred columns for you, and I can only remember one column that you've outright rejected, and and only a few where you've kind of made editorial comments saying that maybe you should go in that direction or a different direction. And um, they were good comments. And uh, um, um, I appreciate the fact that you uh, value, you know, you know, my own integrity in terms of what, you know, I feel is appropriate for, for, for an Orthodox Jewish publication. And I also value your editors who sometimes see something that I don't. And I appreciate that. Um, I, I will proudly say, Michael, you are one of the columns that I always read. Oh, that's nice um, to hear. I, what I'm saying is, as people often ask, how much of the paper I read. That I, I my first starter was 100. percent Now it's thank the paper's gotten so big I can't read all of it. I try to read 50 percent or more. But there are certain columns that I let's just say. I need to read, uh, as we mentioned with Ryan Terrell. I just you are now in the the pantheon of columnists that I. I by the way, I appreciate that you always send me your column, you know, separately yes, as well. Absolutely. So that way, I can always I read it. I just want you to know that I, I always I always read it, but now I always read it with a little bit of a sharper eye. <laughs> Let's just say now now that uh, now that I know you're someone who could get me in trouble, <laughs> I'm, I'm no uh, I'm not afraid of saying that. I just read a bit more Wh- careful. Eye, which so. is a good segue to to the next uh, article that we. <laughs> That we've that yeah. we're going to talk about the the article about why use golden opportunity. So, so let, let's talk about that. So this article we're about to talk about, Michael just published a week or two ago about uh, about Yeshiva University's golden opportunity. Yeah, and this one's not in the book. It came out too late. But but let's talk about it. Well, so the answer. This is a column where I um, I had an input on, meaning I I, I mentioned something to you. Uh, yes. You know, I, I said you know, careful with how you write this, um, and. Uh, you know, t- tell our listeners, viewers, you know, what you wrote. Um, and I, I, if you want, we could even say why, you know, what I mentioned uh, in terms of you pulling yeah. back on. And, and again, this is where I was not, a, I was not functioning as an editor, Michael. I was functioning as a publisher. Right. Um, concerned about, you know, how, who I'm publishing. You should know, Michael, when you publish, um, I'm publishing it also. So, I appreciate so that. So that meaning it, I'm not writing it. 
but if it's in my paper, I and by the way, it bothers me. I never, I can't get away from it. But if the assumption is that if, if we're published, if the Jewish Link is publishing it, then the publishers must agree with it. And I actually wish that wasn't always the case. I wish yeah. sometimes people could make a separation. It's hard b- between uh, the paper and the columnists. It's uh, hard. The New York Times, for example, they publish left wing and they publish right wing. And I actually always, I you know, one of the things I always, I failed as a as a publisher is that I, I always wanted more point counterpoint. I wanted my my right wingers and my left wingers, you know, really in the same space. And we do have it sometimes. But meet me in the middle. <laughs> meet me in the middle. And I, I just feel like it's it's been one of the one of the things I never fully really succeeded is uh, it's difficult. Is, yeah, that is for sure. Now, so let's talk about the 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 golden opportunity for YU. Right. So. You know, since the Gaza war um, and and uh, started, you know, obviously there's some direct effects that that we're all concerned about and that we read about. And uh, but one of the things that I focused on in this article was the possible of an indirect effect, um, and it was the fact that YU might have um, a very interesting opportunity now with the increased anti-Semitism that's uh, happening on college campuses, secular college campuses across the country. Um, I mentioned a a monograph that Dr. Gil Pearl, um, a friend of mine and and, and a very thoughtful educator, um, came out with many years ago. It was kind of controversial. The name of the monograph was A Parent's Guide to Orthodox Assimilation on University Campuses. And in the monograph, he kind of questioned the decision of Orthodox parents who decide to send their kids to secular colleges. Uh, He also attempted to push our community to invest more in creating some of the proper resources for our youngsters um, at secular colleges, both in preparing them better beforehand and also um, uh, in supporting them while they're there. And actually, after the monograph, um, came out, it created quite quite a buzz in the modern Orthodox community. You you, you, you ascribed, I, actually I wasn't, I wasn't sure about that, but you said that you believe that the OU started the JLIC initiative. It actually you, was started by Menachem Schrader about a year or two before, but uh, the OU took it over very shortly after that. And I think that this monograph actually was one of the reasons why the JLIC program was created. Um, and but in terms of the publication's effect on more um, enrollment at YU, I think it was minimal. I mean, because the past two decades, most of the modern Orthodox parents um, continued to send their children to secular campuses with only a very small percentage of high school uh, graduates like at SAR and Frisch and Ramaz um, sending their kids to Yeshiva University. I mean, they were all kind of in love with the Ivies. And why not? I mean, many of these secular campuses were boasting the kosher kitchens. They had daily minyanim, Shabbos programming, JLIC couples, uh, even dafyomi programs at some of them. Yep. So, you know, the parents felt very confident that by sending their kids to these schools, um, not only could they get a solid academic um, uh, education, but they could also um, not have the fear of losing them to the fold. So it was kind of the best of both worlds. So what I am theorizing here in this in this column is that all of this just might have come, you know, to a crashing halt um, because of the current war, and because dozens of universities now, as you know and as you've reported, have been the site of anti-Israel rallies, um, 
students are literally um, emotionally and physically scared, you know, to to show their their Judaism, and um, in some cases. Um, uh, a lot of parents now are seriously asking themselves whether they should be sending their kids to Columbia or, or, or Penn and Harvard, and, and um, even if their kids are fortunate enough to, to actually get into these schools. And that's where I think why, YU and, 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 and Turo uh, also come in, because um, I think there's this group of the, what I call the best and the brightest, mm-hmm. um, who generally was shying away from going to YU, and I think that YU has the opportunity now to attract those students, given what's happening on on campus. Um, you know, they always convince some each year. Um, however, based on the discussions I've had um, with um, students and high school administrators, you know, YU has had great difficulty in the last couple of decades attracting you know, those students. But I think things are going to be changing. And I actually, after the article was appeared, I, I got a, a uh, an email from the assistant director of admissions at YU who said... You didn't tell me that. Yeah. Who, who said that they've been flooded with, with um, applications from transfer students. Um, they've been... Uh, 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 got, received applications from gap year students who had you know, not chosen to go to YU, who are having second thoughts now, and that their um, uh, applications from high school seniors is up significantly. Their problem now is trying to figure out how to how to house all these people. Yep. Um, good. So those are good problems, by the way. Those are good problems, and they'll figure it out. But I, I think, you know, I think, as I said, I think this is really their golden opportunity to attract the students that they've never yeah. attracted. Now, going back to your... Um, comments when you first read the article. I think you were worried about um, what YU's reaction was going to be to me saying that they haven't had the um, ability to attract these students. And I th- I, I'll be straight. I felt you were a little bit too critical, meaning of right. of Yeshua University, and I, I thought maybe perhaps even overly so, unnecessarily so, or, you know, I just, I just, you know, I just didn't think it was, I didn't think it need, it needed to be there. And, so. and I did modify it, and I appreciate yes, the edits, did. the edits, and, and I think it came out much better. But the ironic thing is, is when I posted this on social media, uh, you know, as I know, you, as you know, I, I always post the articles. I condone it. It's okay. Afterwards. Yes. Um, I didn't get any criticism from the pro-YU people saying that I was not being unfair to YU, so I guess I did a good job at, you know, making those edits. What I did get criticism on from some people was the anti-YU people who were saying, you know, they still have so many problems, why would anybody want to support, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, a school like this, the LGBTQ issue, the um, other things like that, that... Some other people said that this is, you know, going to be a passing fad, and that in a year from now it's going to be much better. Which is possible, by the way. Which is possible. I, I don't think so, but uh, again, I, I think it's it's going to be to Wyu's benefit. But um, I thought it was interesting that the criticism that I did get was more from the anti-Wyu people rather than the Wyu people, which uh, again we we might not have thought. So I want to report to you. So I heard some number. Of, they, there's open house season going on. So they're they're telling. They're actually telling prospective parents that 
we are being overwhelmed right now. They're saying they're also saying like <laughs> we apply early and often. Yeah. <laughs> um, Listen, like you said, uh, good problems to have. Those are good problems to have. Um, yeah. I mean, the truth is, between you and me, I, I love Yeshua University, love Toro. I'm, I hope that they're set up to take. You know, I, I, in many ways, I'm not sure they can even handle all of the graduates coming out of of every you know modern Orthodox Yeshiva high school in the country. I think uh, I think the number I used to, the numbers I used to hear would be there would be like maybe I think five or six thousand. Graduates from the you know the more Torah model you know I guess YU centrist whatever whatever language you want to you want to use uh, and and the schools couldn't handle all of them they couldn't handle more than let's say two or three or four thousand of them so meaning we're not, they never expected to get everyone so right so. right but I I think what, what what I was saying in the article was that the the the, the students that they were never able to get in in big quantities at least were the again best what I call the best and the brightest and I think that the I think those some of those people will now choose to go to YU and that will help their academic reputation also because if you're you know attracting good students you, they're going to demand you know the the kind of academic excellence that that Yeshiva University really needs to provide and 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 so that they can compete with the the Ivies academically in addition to you know being a safe place for for Orthodox Jews. One hundred percent. Yeah, that's. Uh, on the one hand, I'm actually kind of. I want to. I'm hoping. You know, we we we've run for the last few weeks like a hate on campus section. You know, I'm, I'm really yes. hoping that uh, I'm, for everyone's sake, I'm hoping that, that we don't have that. Look, it, it gets I, I do better. also. I, 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 when I wrote the article, I wasn't you know hoping that this would happen. I'm just saying that it might be mm-hmm. something that that. And and by the way, um, remember that there are sophomores, juniors, and seniors who are Orthodox students who are at the schools now who are counting on, you know, on an in Orthodox infrastructure to, to continue with right. that school. And if it suddenly dries up, that's going to leave those students, you know. In trouble. Yeah. Struggling so, with. so I, you know, I, I kind of feel for them also. I, I, I don't want that to happen either. Um, so mm-hmm. it's tricky. And, uh, and look, there's always going to be some people um, in the Orthodox community who are going to still want to go to Harvard and Yale and Penn and Columbia and Princeton. I mean, and, and, and it's not going to, you know, it's not, I'm not saying it's going to be for everyone. I'm just saying that I think YU has, a, as I said, a golden opportunity. And um, listen, I'm... I'm uh, uh, I'm smart enough not to make predictions. You know what I said about predictions. Uh, this is a quote from. Uh, it's either Niels Bohr or Yogi Berra. He said predictions are hard, especially if they're about the future. Um, so I'm not making any predictions uh, at this point as to what will happen, but um, it will be interesting to see. Okay. Actually, I never last thing. I never really asked you about your writing process. Like how how planned out are you? I mean, do, do, you, do you do you have like columns that you ideas you you've, you've been written about? I've never. Let's just you know, and, and also like you know, maybe share with me some of the ideas for future that we're going to yeah. be seeing. So I have I have a few things, um, you know, kind of ideas that that I haven't developed yet, which I hope to develop for future columns. I tend to like to write about. Uh, current events newsworthy stuff because that's what people are talking about and um, that's been obvious over the last three or four weeks I've written only about Israel and that's what's on people's mind when I when I take a current event subject though I always want to find a new angle look I I I don't want to just you know report on something that or you know give my opinion on something that everybody else has you Mm -hmm. know heard I, I want to 
come up with something unique if it's a current events item that, 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 that other people haven't handled. So, for example, I mean, it's not in... Um, uh, it's not in the book. It'll be in this week's issue. I wrote a column, What Would My Father Have Said? Yep. And basically it was a column. My, I lost my father about four years ago. Um, he was very wise and, and had a very big impact on me. And I used to discuss current events with him. And I, you know, deeply miss, deeply miss doing that. Um, and what I did was I speculated as to, you know, what he what would be saying? saying at this point. And I guess part of it is that... Um, uh, hoping that what he would have said is what I'm feeling. I don't know that for sure, but um, that was kind of the point of the column. So it's an interesting, you know, an interesting twist on, on, on a current event subject. The other, you know, column I did, which I thought was um, a little unique, which was very personal. I don't know if you remember it a few weeks ago. Uh, I called it uh, The Power of Prayer. Okay. And basically it, it recounted, when, I mean, I was a young boy of only eight, nine years old. But during the Six-Day War, um, I remember very, very clearly that my teachers in, in fourth, fifth grade um, told me that I had to, you know, pray to God that Israel is, um, you know, is, there's something under attack. They, they, they need our prayers. So when I came home, it's not like I even said to Hillam. I really had this conversation with God as as a as a as a nine year old, asking him, you know, as my teachers had asked me to, to please make sure that Israel survives. And sure enough, six days later, <laughs> uh, not only did they survive, but that you know, as 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 you know, we 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 recaptured Jerusalem. So and, Hashem and, answered and, your young. And I figured, wow, this is great. Hashem really answered my prayers. Now, since then, of, of course, I, I I realized that, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, God's answers no. Um, uh, he doesn't always answer our prayers. He's always listening, but but he's. Uh, sometimes doesn't answer our prayers the way we we happen um, to want it, and, uh, and uh, again, it was a very personal column, yeah. and uh, it kind of related to the prayers that we're all saying now for Israel. Yep, that's what we're all hoping. <laughs> any uh, any last uh, any last words? Any 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 final thoughts about uh, about meet me in the middle? I guess I guess we're. So, Michael, you're 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 young by my standards. So we're and, and you're also writing pretty regularly. So are we are we, are we looking at Meet Me in the Middle too, or uh? well, another quick couple of years, maybe I'll have another uh, enough for another book. Meanwhile, I hope I hope people um, will will consider buying the book. It's uh, it's a good book. It's I mean I was you know oftentimes you don't get a chance to read some of the stuff that you've read you know have have previous. I, I always have a new deadline, so I don't bother reading my other. Uh, past columns, but uh, uh, putting the putting the book together gave me a chance to to review it all. And um, you know, I think I, I, many of the columns are very good. I, I, I like them. I think I've made a contribution in in in, in terms of Jewish life. I think uh, based on the comments I've gotten from many people, I've impacted people. They 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 tell me they feel the same way. Um, and. Um, you know, it's 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 been an honor and a pleasure to be part of the Jewish Link family and to be able to contribute my ideas each week. So, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for this uh, opportunity to speak to everyone. And um, God willing, there should be peace in Israel, and the hostages should come home, and um, we can um, we can. Um,
have some good news uh, for Amen, and, and you're welcome, and thank you for, for being here, and thank you for writing, and also just being, you know, you're, in many ways, I look at you as a shaliach, as an agent for the Jewish link in a certain sense. In your community, I, I, I hope that continues, um, and, uh, you know, just... Uh, we're happy to have you as part of uh, as a as thank a partner you. and as a friend and as a, as a as a guide. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for being with us on the Jewish Link Pitch Meeting podcast. If you would like to participate or be in touch with us in any way, please email us at editor at jewishlink.news and follow us and find our podcast wherever you find podcasts. <laughs>